Alrighty, well, welcome back to Cibolo Creek Conversations, and today I have a guest that I've actually wanted to have on for some time, a great guy, Mr. Tom Patterson. How are you doing, sir? Hey, hey, what's up, bud? Doing all right, doing all right, yeah. Um, the viewers don't know this, but Paul's been on sabbatical, so I haven't been actually recording for the past two months, so um, I'm out of practice, and this is Mr. Tom's first time doing a podcast, so... Um, so if we have any bloopers, I'll make sure to leave them in. But anyways, uh, Tom, why don't you just tell people a little bit about who you are and what you do? So how long is this going to be, by the way? As long as it needs to be. You've heard, <laughs> Paul, you've heard Paul and I's. Yeah, we don't want to go that long. <laughs> is there a, a camera here that I'm supposed to look at? I am no. really novice at this. I okay. only look at the camera. And I, yeah, uh, I only look at the camera whenever I do the intro, and then if I make a joke towards the viewers or whatever. Okay, but good. no, you don't have to. Good. You can just look at me. I'm not good at looking at the camera. Nope. But, well, hey, uh, as White said, my name is Tom Patterson, and I lead the men's ministry at our church, Cibolo Creek Community Church. And uh, White was kind enough to invite me here today because uh, he wanted to talk about, as I always want to talk about, our men's ministry and how important that is uh, to me and I think all the men in our group. And and so I guess uh, maybe we should start with a little history yeah. of it, you think? Yeah. So, yeah, and how you came to be kind of the head the head guy. Can you move that just over there? Yeah, Thanks. absolutely. So... Um, so it's kind of a cool story, a Holy Spirit, a God story for sure. Uh, but anytime I tell this story, I always want to kind of back up just a little bit to right before we started this group, just because I think it's a really important message to share and understand that when we love and trust God with everything, if, if at some point God takes something good away from us in our life, he always replaces it with mm. something better, right? And that was a part of my experience in getting to where I am today because uh, I guess it was about 15 years ago, I think, uh, I was leading a motorcycle ministry at our church. And, man, that was so crazy cool because uh, it was all about God and Harley Davidsons. <laughs> and so nice. to me, there is nothing better than that, you know, and and at that point, I was still uh, fairly early in my walk with Jesus, and and certainly had not, uh, certainly had not experienced the full transformation that God was going to take me through. But it was kind of a weird time because uh, that was, I believe, uh, just a couple years after my mom was diagnosed with Alzheimer's, mm. and so it came to a point where I realized that uh, she needed, I needed to move her here to Bernie first of all. And then be uh, a lot more active daily, you know, uh, helping her and yeah. serving her through that whole journey. And so it was one of these moments, man, where God really clearly told me that I needed to step away from that motorcycle ministry and focus my time and energy towards my mom. And that was so difficult, man, because I can remember saying out loud, this is when you ever say something that just haunts you forever, like that one time you said that, yep. you know, you can never forget. So, Almost feel like you brought it on yourself. <laughs> oh, my gosh, yes. So I remember saying one time, you know, Harley Davidson's a God. There's nothing better. I'm going to do this for the rest of my life, right? And then God asked me to give it up. And, and so it was pretty devastating for me because I tried really hard to find somebody to take over that group and that ministry and so that it would continue and move on, you know. Uh, but I couldn't 
And so we had to shut it down at our church, and we hadn't had that ministry ever since. And it just really hurt my soul that I had to do that. I mean, I, there were tears involved in the whole deal, man. This was at Cibolo? It was at Cibolo, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And I've seen was, pictures and stuff from back then. Yeah, yeah. So it was a ministry that uh, another friend of mine, Leonard Leachman, started uh, with somebody years before I got there. And the same thing kind of happened. You know, life changes for people. And then uh, they had to step away, and it shut down. And then me and another guy resurrected it. Uh, but anyhow, so, so yeah, man, I had to shut it down. And I think a part of that process is uh, God uh, testing us, obviously, to see if we're going to be obedient and do what he tells us to do instead of doing what we want to do, because I yeah. certainly never wanted to do that. But so anyhow, I did that. And, and the cool thing is, is uh, that I didn't know at the time obviously what God's plan was, but man, he had such, uh, such a better plan in store, uh, not just for me, but I think all the men, you know, in our church, at least the ones that choose to participate. So I started uh, going to Bible study at our church. This was 13, I think about 13 years ago, started going to Bible study at our church and it was a totally different format than what we do now. And at some point, uh, I guess I became a regular. Mm. Right? Mm -hmm. So, like, when you show up a certain number of times, then you kind of, you know, you're classified as a regular. Yep. And the two guys that were leading this particular study at our church, they started getting busy with their kids, you know, their kids' activities, sports, and all that kind of stuff. And so one of them said to me, hey, Tom, why don't you go to the church office and get a key to the door? That way, if, you know, if we're running late or whatever, you can at least unlock the door. That's what, that's what I do now. <laughs> that's what I do now the past two that's weeks. That's <laughs> the hook, bro. That's how they get you. Oh, man. yeah, they give you a key. <laughs> that's how they get you. So, so I'm, I thought, you know, I was naive and I didn't know any better. I'm like, well, yeah, man, you know, I can unlock a door. I can do that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> sure. Uh -huh. that, so, that's going to be all. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I go and get a key. And, uh, and then the next thing I know, a uh, short time after that, you know, they got so busy with their kids and their families that uh, I think once we finished that book that we were studying at the time, there was we were doing these book studies, uh, they just said, hey, you know, we can't lead this anymore because we're too busy with our families. And so in the end, it really just came down to the fact that I was the last guy with a key to the door. Mm. And, and I'm going to tell you, man, I felt so completely unqualified, unworthy, un you just fill in the blank after the UN. I was like, yeah, I can't do this, yeah. right? And so I did, I did know enough at that point in my spiritual journey that, man, I just had to pray about it. You know? So I prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed, uh, prayed fervently about it, fasted about it. I mean, I was really that nervous about doing this thing because I didn't have a clue, you know? I mean, I, certainly I was reading the Bible every day and, and trying to do my best to be obedient to the Lord, <clears throat> but this is a whole different level, Right. And so I kept coming back to this, this format that the Holy Spirit was guiding me to, and it just really kind of wouldn't go away, you know? It's like, you know, when you pray about something and you fast over something, uh, you have to, 
make just a strong or stronger effort to really listen and try to understand the answer that God gives you, yeah. you know, and, and then discern really what it is and what it looks like and how do I do that sort of thing. So I went through this whole struggle of trying to figure that out, and, uh, and finally I just thought, okay. And in God's, uh, in God's great wisdom, you know, he knows me better than I know myself. So, you know, he just kind of fed me like a baby. You know what I'm saying? He just kind of said, just, he, it's kind of like make it simple for, you know, Tom. Kind of yeah. thing, right? <laughs> so he's like, just do this, this, and this. And I go, okay, all right, I can do that. And so, uh, again, man, you know, I was so nervous. I remember pulling up in the parking lot uh, when this whole thing started, and I would just sit in my truck in the parking lot for like five minutes praying <laughs> before I would get out and go in. Because, you know, literally just praying, okay, Holy Spirit, I need you there with me to guide me, lead me, show me. You know, give me the truth and the wisdom and the words and all that sort of stuff. And uh, and so I, I just, that's really what happened. I just said yes. I tried to be obedient. I stepped way outside of my comfort zone you know, and and then just tried to do what God uh, wanted me to do. And, and I can explain more about that in a minute. But, but I have to tell you, man, it is so, so, so awesome uh, when we do that, when we step out of our comfort zone and do these crazy things that God asks us to do. Mm. Because, look, we're doing that from a place of trust, like complete and total <clears throat> yeah. trust. Because, you know, like one or two things is going to happen. Either this is going to... This is going to succeed the way God wants it to, or it's going to fail miserably, right? Yep. Uh, and so it's, it is it is a big risk when you do that sort of thing. Uh, so I, I did my best. But here's the crazy cool thing about it is in the beginning, uh, when we kicked this thing off, uh, it was, I believe it was the very first week when we started this format that we have now been in for 12 years or more. The very first week... We started, this man showed up on Monday night, who I really didn't know. Uh, I had seen him around church. I knew he had been a part of our church for a while, but again, I didn't know him. And his, unfortunately, he's passed now, but his name was uh, Guy Youngberg. Mm. And Guy Youngberg showed up uh, to our Bible study the first week. And if you ever... uh, had the pleasure of meeting him or being blessed to call him your friend. He was as old school as it gets, man. He was a retired naval commander. Uh, The only person I ever met in my life who has this story is that this man was born in the back of a horse-drawn buckboard wagon in the middle of a snowstorm in South Dakota. Wow. Like, that's how he came into the world, Uh you know. I mean, he was, I think, 92, 93 when he passed away here a year or so ago. But, yeah, and, and he, he just exuded that, you know, as, as a man. So he showed up the first week, and I didn't know this at the time, but his wife of like, man, I don't know, 60 years or whatever, she had just died from Alzheimer's mm. like just the week before. And he was broken to the core. I mean, his grief was, you know, 
I mean, this is a man who comes from a generation that they'd never shared their feelings or anything like that. And he sat down in the room with us, and, I, man, I want to say there was maybe a half a dozen guys in the room, and he just he just started crying, you know? And, um, <clears throat> and so immediately we all just get up, and we lay hands on him, and we pray over him as he's sitting in his chair crying over the loss of his wife. And the Holy Spirit was so thick in that moment. It was like, you know, it was a painful moment uh, for him and for us because we were grieving with him, you know. But it was really at that moment that I knew that this was what God wanted, you know. I mean, it was just absolutely undeniable. Uh, and, And so, man, it just like... It, that's how it started, yeah. you know, and it's been kind of that way ever since. I mean, what made you feel, is it just the normal feelings of, I say normal, just because I, I identify with them, but what made you feel unqualified to lead it? Was it just lack of knowledge or, I mean, and you don't have to get into like all the specifics of whatever you don't want to, of course, but um, yeah, what made you feel unqualified to kind of fill that role? That's a great question, bud. Um, God, so many things. I mean, you know, first of all, I, you know this, I think, that I wasn't raised in a church family. You yeah. Know? So I really didn't start going to church and leaning into Jesus or any of this until I was in my uh, early 40s. You know, so that was just a couple of years ago, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, so it was certainly knowledge. Uh, it was it was confidence in what I was doing because again I mean look I didn't know what I was doing sure. you know and I and I didn't have uh, the wisdom that I needed you know to pull this thing off but but I think that's exactly the way God wanted it because in so many ways man. God's glory is always shown greater when he takes somebody that's unqualified and unworthy and he uses them, right? I mean, he doesn't call the qualified, he calls the willing. I mean, that's really the bottom line. And and so, again, it's just more affirmation and proof that it's not about Tom, it's all about God. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I mean, he says, look, I'll give you what you need. I'll give you the wisdom in, in little, you know, bite-sized, baby bite-sized pieces, you know, as you, as you need them. And uh, I've learned over the years, this is really kind of crazy, and some people will think that, uh, that, that maybe I'm a little stupid or lazy for doing this. But recently a friend of mine asked me, this is somebody that uh, was a part of our group for a long time, and then unfortunately him and his wife uh, moved out of state, so they're not with us anymore here locally. But he asked me, so he's, he's doing the same thing in North Carolina now. Um, and he asked me, he said, how do you prepare for Monday night? And I just kind of laughed. And he's like, well, I don't understand what's funny. Like, seriously, I, I want to know, how do you prepare for Monday night? And I said, well, dude, the funny thing is I don't prepare at all. Yeah. And he's like, well, what do you mean? I said, look, I don't go in there with a preconceived notion or agenda or curriculum because then I've made it all about me. Yeah. If I just go in there uh, submissive to whatever is going to happen and allow the Holy Spirit to work through me, then then it always, always happens. And, and so I guess probably at this point it would be appropriate to just explain that <clears throat> in our Bible study format, 
We don't have a teacher uh, purposely. We don't have a teacher. We don't want somebody to come in and teach a class. You know, that's not what it's all about. Because then what you have is you, it's almost like a Sunday morning scenario. Yep. You got somebody yep. that's talking for 30 minutes to an hour and everybody else is just sitting there listening to them. You know what I mean? And to me, even though that's really important on a Sunday, I would never change that for anything. This is different, right? Yeah, different uh, purpose. It's a different purpose. It is. And so we, uh, as God led us to do this, uh, we needed to create an environment where men could ask questions or make comments, you know, not just sit and listen to somebody. So so for that reason, I don't prepare at all. I, I come in and, you know, sit down, and, and we do one chapter a week. And, um, and so we just kind of see where the Holy Spirit takes us, you know. Oftentimes, we'll start out talking about Scripture in this chapter, and next thing you know, we're talking about something totally different. Yeah. Well, that was the amazing thing. Like, I went last night. I've been going uh, the past two weeks. And um, embarrassingly enough to say that I've only been going the past two weeks. But, um, yeah, we started off, you know, talking about second Tim- the first chapter in Second Timothy and uh, sp- some specific verses in there. And then it got into, like, fatherhood and the family right. and, and the right, need right. to, like, speak purpose and life into your children and, and even just young people. They don't have to be your children. Yeah, no, that's beauty. Uh, that's, that's beautiful. It's amazing how um, we like to overcomplicate everything oh in the church. Oh, my gosh. Hey, I'm guilty of it, too. Yeah. You know, that's, again, why I think God has taught me, like, if given the time and opportunity, I will most definitely overthink things, you know? So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, yeah, when that happens so much in ministry, I mean, having work at, worked in it for the past six years now, six years now, it's just crazy. Um, yeah, there's just a lot of stuff that gets overcomplicated, and that's not specific to Cibolo. That's every single church. Oh, yeah. And I think every single organization or group of people um, – but it's pretty clear. Like, I don't know. I don't know. You know, you said God said, well, just do this, this, and this. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that was prayer, read scripture, and take communion or something like that mm-hmm. along those lines. Um, but it's amazing the fruit that can come from that. Because, I mean, like, I've, the men's ministry is something that has always worked, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. From my view of, of, Cib- like, of Cibolo Creek, and, like, it's always worked, and it's probably the, the most simple and it never yeah. changes. Yes, yes, yes. You know, very simple. Yeah, yeah, very simple. So I guess I'll. Uh, I guess that's a great segue for me to just kind of explain uh, what we mean by simple. Yeah, and, and really what it is, right? So, um, so in the beginning, uh, God kind of led me down this path of thought, and that is that. Um, first of all, we're men, right? And everybody's busy and got stuff to do. But it was important to, like, take away every possible objection <laughs> as to why they couldn't come or whatever, right? I mean, that's really the deal because oftentimes men get in their own way, you know, especially if they're uncomfortable in this environment, which a lot of men are. Yeah. You know? I mean, you know, our, our church is a seeker's church. It's always been identified that way. I love that about our church because if it wasn't for – uh, the format and environment of our church, I I wouldn't be who I am today. I mean, I you know, so it really worked for me. But the thing was is uh, that we would say, for example, hey, this is when we're meeting every single Monday, like every Monday. 
We don't take the summers off. We take off Labor Day and Memorial Day because they land on Mondays. And then, of course, occasionally, Fourth of July or whatever, land on Monday. Yeah. That's the only time we are not there. So the premise is this. We're there every single Monday. Uh, we're there at 6.30. We try to finish up about 8. So here's the deal. Come late if you have to come late. Leave early if you have to leave early. We're not studying a book. We're not doing videos because if you're doing a book study – with workbooks and all that, or a video study with workbooks and all that stuff, if you miss one week, then you're, you're kind behind. of behind, and you sometimes you kind of lose where you're at sort of thing. And you can justify to yourself, well, I'm already two weeks behind. Exactly. So I just, I'll just wait to the next one. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And believe me, I know that because I did that. Oh, yeah. You know? I oh, did yeah. that before all of this came about. So, so there was that. So we said, okay, none of that. All we're going to do is we're going to show up on Monday night. We're going to show up with the Bible. And we're going to sit down. And we're going to, uh, in the beginning, it, we just said, okay, well, we're going to start with Matthew. And we're going to read a few scriptures. And then we're just going to chew it up. Right? And that's what we did. So in the beginning... <clears throat> when we were uh, not technologically advanced with Bluetooth speakers, of course, <laughs> we would actually read ourselves. So, you know, one of us would take, you know, verses 1 through 20, and then somebody else would pick up from there or whatever. I figured that you had the Bluetooth speaker because you got tired of nobody saying, I'll read. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> or you get to those names that nobody knows that how nobody's to pronounce. Then nobody's going to pronounce. Like, yep. oh, my gosh, you know. Uh, so, uh, this was really so cool, bro, because in the beginning, that's the way that we did it. We started with the book of Matthew chapter one. And in the beginning, we would only do a few scriptures a night and dude, it took us a year and a half to get through the book of Matthew. (laughs) No lie. And, and, and I know that sounds crazy and funny, but that is when the Holy spirit was really thick in our group and just building this foundation of who we were and what we did. Because when you can just read like 10 scriptures and then talk about it for an hour and a half, you know what I mean? Well, it shows the depth that is packed into yes. every page, every yes. passage of the scriptures. Yes, yes. And, um, and, and also it shows the curiosity of yeah. the men that are sitting there. And it shows uh, the ability to share thoughts and wisdom. And, you know, uh, so, yeah, uh, to me, that was such a special time that first year and a half when, we, when it took that long to get through the book of Matthew. So, but now we do one chapter a week. That's what we do, right? So we have a schedule of the books that we're going to do. Uh, we do bounce around from New Testament to Old Testament, uh, but honestly, we've spent most of our time in the New Testament over the last 12 years. So, uh, so we do that. So kind of the format is this, is that we come together at 6.30. The first 30 minutes is fellowship time where we just hang out and talk and tell jokes and drink coffee and eat cookies and you know whatever. And then about 7 o'clock, uh, I normally have a couple of announcements, and then I'll pray us in. And then uh, we'll uh, play one chapter, uh, like last night we did Second Timothy, first chapter, played that on the Bluetooth, and then we chew it up, you know, until about 8 o'clock. So that normally takes, you know, an hour. And here's the other cool thing about kind of taking away 
the excuses that men can have. And, and we've told guys this from day one. It's like, look, there's no requirement to participate at all. Yeah. All you have to do is show up and sit in a chair and either have a Bible or a Bible app on your phone, and you can just sit there and never say a word, never ask a question. We're not going to call on you. There's no homework. Like, there's no requirement or obligation at all. And over the years, uh, we have had guys that do that. I mean, and if you come around long enough, you'll notice there's certain men that will come in there, and you know, every Monday or close to it, and they won't say a word, man, but they are soaking it up. You know what I mean? Uh, and then when they do say something on the rare occasion, like Guy Youngberg, he was one of those guys. Um, uh, what was that financial institution that used to have those commercials when E.F. Hutton talks, everybody listens. So mm. on the rare occasion that guy would uh, speak up, man, like the room would go silent, like the OG like in the room. Yep. You know, the elder in the room is about to talk. Everybody listen. Everybody listen up. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so cool. But so, uh, so yeah, so that's, that's, that's kind of the, the premise that we set up for folks. And we only have two rules, that's all. And that is that we don't talk politics because that can get divisive, and we don't debate, right? Like, look, you may believe a certain thing about this particular scripture that is not completely in line with what I believe, but we're not going to argue about that. Yeah, yeah. We're going to agree to disagree. You can voice your opinion. I can voice mine. But we're not in the room to proselytize. Proselytize. Proselytize, yes. Thank Probably you. still got it wrong. Normally Paul's my guy for pronouncing words. <laughs> oh, we need our wordsmith here. Yeah, I know. Right? Yeah, yeah. Well, you can edit that. Blue <laughs> <laughs> but, but, yeah, so, I mean, that's it, man. Uh, you know, we just keep it simple that way. And, uh, man, over the years we have had some of the most amazing conversations. Um, and it's all about, look, if we have a theme – if we have one central theme uh, in what we do, and that is that when we're in the Scripture, it's all about looking at it uh, in a way that God can use it to make us the men that he wants us to be, mm. to do the things that he wants us to do as godly men, as Christian men. You know, that is the, that's the one common theme that we always keep. Yeah. Well, and that's so important, and maybe we can get into that, but like <clears throat> as— a younger man uh, that grew up in the, well, not, I didn't grow up in the, I guess I found church like middle school, but I'm also very attentive to what's happening in the culture and all those types of things. So I'm probably more unusual than the regular guy, but um, in that matter, in that I read and soak in and, and I'm very curious about what's happening. But I've noticed that, um, and, and not necessarily to get like, you know, divisive, I suppose, but that men aren't necessarily being talked to in a healthy way currently. Mm. Um, you have kind of two camps. You have, and I don't know if you've ever heard of this guy, you have like the super over-the-top Andrew Tate types. Andrew Tate is a joke of, but he's speaking to problems, but he's, he, his solutions are horrible. Um, and then you have essentially where we're going to treat men and we're going to teach men and women essentially the same way. We're going to talk to them in the same way. And I think that is incredibly dangerous and unhelpful. Mm -hmm. And so why do you think it is, 
um, helpful and I would say even necessary for men to be involved in such a thing? Wow, that's a great question, bud. Um, well, you know, we talked about this last night, and we do talk about this often because it is such a common theme. You know, I think that uh, I think that men uh, need to be the spiritual leader in their household, mm. right? And that comes from a certain scripture here, right? But when I say that, I have to follow that up with the recognition and applause for all of the women out there, mothers and grandmothers, uh, that are really the ones, you know, fulfilling that role in their family. Most, I would say most of the time now that is the case. Yes, yes, I agree. Because, you know, the thing is, um, I don't know how deep you want to get with this, but I really think that we have an epidemic in our country and even uh, worldwide with men not only not filling that role in their household, but men being viewed upon as kind of a louse, a loser, a joke, you know. They're all Peter Griffin from Family Guy. That's the way I've been describing it. They're all the joke. And, you know, uh, for me, and (laughs) I mean, look, this is uh, kind of a cultural statement, I guess, but <laughs> it, it also, I think, proves, or in my mind at least, uh, the impact that uh, entertainment industry and culture has on us. In my mind at least, I see all of that kind of starting with the sitcom, which I thought was really funny, by the way, so I'm not trying to be a prude, but Married with Children. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm. It kind of started with that. And, uh, I mean, you can't watch a TV show now on prime time that portrays the father and husband as a positive male role model. Yeah, he's just a bumbling know? kind of an idiot. He, he is. Or he's and, lazy. And so, look, man, I mean, look, that combined with the rate of divorce in our country, um, which is horrible, uh, and that even combined with uh, with the number of men that uh, have children out of wedlock and, and have nothing to do with them and just don't, you know, don't live up to the responsibility that they have. So, so the epidemic is this, and we talked about this last night. Um, statistics show that what happens with fatherless children or children that don't have a good male role model as a father they go down a very destructive path in life Yeah, that un, uh, unfortunately is one of the biggest reasons why we're the most incarcerated nation in the world per capita. You know, I, I shared this last night, and for those of you all that don't know me, I, I do a lot of prison ministry work too. Uh, I've been doing that since '09, And this prison that I go to in Hondo a lot, which I'm heading up there tomorrow, the average age in that prison is like 23 years old. And, and I couldn't tell you, bro, how many of these young men and even the older men in the prison that I know and have become friends with over the years that tell me that their parents are incarcerated, their siblings are incarcerated. I mean, it's an epidemic, right? Because, look, if you don't have a good godly male role model to teach you right from wrong, to introduce you to God and Jesus and the gospel and show you what's really important in life, then you're just going to fall prey to what the world tells you is important 
And then the next thing you know, you're going to be out there doing it, you yeah. know? And, and that's what happens, man. I mean, uh, it, you can do a simple Google search, I'm sure, and find the stats on what happens to fatherless children. And it is extremely sad. And to your point, I also brought up last night um, how, and like you, you made, rightfully so, uh, gave kudos essentially uh, and respect to all the moms and grandmothers who have filled that role. Um, but it's still not the same. And the yes. stats also delve that out. And mm-hmm. um, something that I saw that was crazy was looking at, <clears throat> well, if only the children went to church, the likelihood the family would follow was like 13%. Right. If the mother went to the church, the likelihood the rest of the family would follow was like 30, 35. Mm-hmm. If the father went to the church, the likelihood the entire family follows is 85 to 90. Crazy, right? Which is insane. Crazy, man. And, and, and it, it, yeah, and so the fact that like church, the fact that churches aren't noticing that, and are, and e- even if you're looking at it from a cons- like a, a a numbers standpoint, which is not how you should at all look at this, but even if you were, because we all know some some people do, um, you'd be like, well, we have to get them in in the in the fathers to come because with them comes everybody else. I know. I know it really amazes me that there's not more effort put towards that, you know. And and look, it's not just uh, it's not just one church or two. I mean, this no. is like nationwide. I mean, this is uh, the uh, the, Mer- the American church, the church in America, yeah, North absolutely. America. And and I'll tell you, um, please, I, I want to say this, and I cannot say this enough. You know, we have this conversation about about our men's ministry at our little church and, uh, and how blessed we have been in that way. It has nothing to do with me. It's everything to do yeah. with God and the Holy Spirit's presence. And so he gets absolutely every ounce of credit for all of it, right? I mean, the only thing that I ever did was say yes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, but I, I have these conversations have had these conversations with a lot of people over the years. And I'm not going to name any names, but, uh, you know, I have friends in uh, in the Christian world around the San Antonio area, obviously, uh, that go to church. And so some of the biggest churches in our area have also failed horribly in this way to the point where, um, like, uh, I'm just going to give you one example. So there's a big church in the greater San Antonio area that, you know, they tried to do a push, you know, to get the men to come to men's Bible study and all that. And and they kind of did the typical Sunday thing, man. They had the worship band there. They had one of the pastors on staff there to teach. They brought in free food, you know, every week, you know, to just everything they could to draw them. And initially, yeah, they had like 80 guys or more showing up to Bible study. But here's what happens is that that only lasted for like a month or two. Like yeah. every week the numbers started to decline to the point where at the end of it, and this friend of mine that tells me the story, he, um, he was kind of a part of that, he was a part of that group. And it got down to the end and the attendance was so low that the church staff came to him and said, look, we're not sending the worship team anymore. We're not providing a teacher and we're not providing free food anymore. So you do whatever you want to do, but our efforts didn't work, and we're tapping out. 
And so my friend is telling me all of this. And so I start sharing with him, you know, what we do and how God has blessed that for all these years and what that looks like. And I mean, when I say bless that, man, we can talk for a whole other hour about the blessings he's poured over our group and, and, and us men. But, uh, you know, what is our church? Like a few hundred membership attendance? It depends on how you count it. Uh-huh. If we count it by the way that most churches count it now, which is that you attend one time every month, that is a considered a regular attender. Really? Yes. Well, there's it a It used problem. to be two, and it used to be three. But the worse uh-huh. people get at coming to church, the worse the counting number uh-huh. gets. And I could be wrong about that. Don't get mad at me, staff. But um, <laughs> pretty sure that's how we count it. Wow. So what would you say the average attendance is for our church on a Sunday? I actually know the numbers. Anywhere between 350 to 450, probably. Yeah. That's, that's including yeah. volunteers and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's I would say of, probably around there. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. So... So uh, so our attendance right now is, for men's Bible study, I'm saying, on Monday night is, like last night we had 25. So it's like yeah. 20 to 30 guys. But then the cool thing is, is re- recently, a few months ago, a couple of our buddies were kind enough to say yes, Lord, also. And we started up another one on Thursday night. So we're doing the same exact thing Monday and Thursday night. So uh, I would say with the Thursday included, Man, we're really having like 30 to 40 guys a week show up to these events at a church that only has, you know, 400 people showing up on a Sunday. Man. Yeah, and this is but, this is significant in comparison to the example you were just giving, I'm it, guessing. That's very significant. Yes, okay. thank you for pointing that out. Uh, and so as, as compared to a church that has thousands of people showing yeah. up on a Sunday, and, and then their efforts just kind of failed. And so anyhow, I'm having this conversation with my friend, so I start telling him about what we do, and uh, he went back to the church and said, hey, can we try this? And they said yes. And so they started doing that, and, and it worked, and it flourished, right? And, and they're still doing that. I mean, this has been going on for, oh, man, I don't know. Pre-COVID, I kind of get lost with my timeline because of COVID, but I don't know, four or five years or something like that now, I think. Um, and, and the thing is this to remember, too, though, is that, you know, as a group, we are where we are now, but it has not always been that way. Sure. Right? Because, again, God tests our resolve. Like, it's, it's the first step is for us to say yes and surrender and submit to, to what he wants us to do and to be obedient. But then he's also going to test our resolve almost immediately. My experience is it's almost immediately, Right. So we've been doing this 12 years. Well, in the beginning, for the first several years, man, we might show up on a Monday, and there'd be like four of us there. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Yeah, so it took a long time before we got to where we had double-digit attendance on a regular basis. Sure. And in that time period, God's going, okay, what are you going to do? Are you going to open the door every Monday like I told you to do? Or are you going to look for some excuse to tap out? Oh, well, we only had, you know, three guys this week. So it ain't working. Let's just, you know, let's stop this. It's like if I tell if I tell myself or if I tell my wife, yeah, I'm going to be really good about losing weight or getting in shape. Mm-hmm. And I go to the gym for a month and I'm strict on my diet for a month. But after that, I'm like, nah, I didn't. Yeah. I was not being truthful with what I said. Yeah. <laughs> well, dude, you're in great shape. <laughs> <laughs> I've gained a little bit. I was looking at myself on stage this Sunday and I'm like, oh, no, get a little look, belly there. No, you look good, man. 
<laughs> but just as an example, like, yeah, you have to persevere, right? Yeah, you do. I mean, you do. That's the thing. That's a, that's a part of the whole deal is like, look, again, uh, my experience is if we do what God tells us to do to the best of our ability, he's always going to show up for us. It may not always look like what we want it to look like, but his version is always better than ours, you know? So all that being said, uh, with that little bit of history right there, again, this is praise to God, has nothing to do with Tom, but, you know, there are uh, multiple churches doing the same exact format now that we do, and also uh, in the prison. So God led me uh, last year, you know, it took him a little while, I'm, uh, sometimes I'm a little hard-headed, so fortunately our God is patient. <laughs> yeah, thank God, tolerant. right? Same right, here. Right, right, So uh, last year, by God's nudging, uh, I got permission from the chaplain at the Torres uh, Prison Union out in Hondo to start this same thing in the prison. Uh, because, I mean, look, it, it worked out here, and... God's nudging me and telling me, and, you know, initially people might think, well, hey, that's a whole different environment. You're in there with with inmates, with guys that have been in prison for years and are going to be in prison for years, so surely you got to change it up. Somehow you got to make some adjustments and make it different because it's in a prison. And God said, no, you don't. Just do what I tell you to do. See, I would have thought the exact opposite, too, because... I would assume that if anybody is going to really, really feel their deep need for Christ, it's going to be men in prison. And out oh, yeah. here, you have the churches or, or groups think that they have to, to provide something because of the consumeristic mindset that I think we've taught our people to have, by the way. But in the jail, they don't have it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I mean, hey... Uh all jokes aside, you have a captive audience in there, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, uh, <laughs> you know, and the thing is this, is that um, in, in free world people oftentimes don't understand this, especially people that have not had any tragedy in their life, right? But you don't know how bad you need God until God is all you have. And when you're in a jail cell, that's all you got, right? I love C.S. Lewis. He said that, Pain is like a megaphone call to a deaf world. Oh, and I'm like, oh, man, you nailed that on yes. the head. Big time, big time. So anyhow, uh, God nudged me to do that, and uh, I started doing that last year. And uh, it was very well received. I mean, we've had as many as, you know, like 25 guys in the room on a Wednesday for two hours doing the same exact thing as what we do in the free world at our church on Monday and Thursday night. And I really would love, love, love. I've talked to some guys that serve in other prisons around the area. I would love to see that grow. Uh, but, man, it is such a, um, such a different scenario there uh, because, you know, uh, things happen. Let's just say things happen in prisons. And, uh, unfortunately, the chapel at our prison out there has been shut down for the last four weeks because of staffing issues, and they don't have enough correctional officers to open up the chapel. So that shuts down Bible study for four weeks. And so we've been going through that now for a year, man. And it's spiritual warfare big time. You know, we're in there doing God's work, and, and it's working, and Satan doesn't like that, and so he starts to stir things up. Yep. 
Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, <clears throat> well, just kind of, I guess, kind of going back though, but and, and not not really, I guess, but just the the transformative effect that it has on people's lives. So, for for instance, when I was talking about if the kids come, the thirteen percent uh, of the rest of the family comes, I was that thirteen percent. So I brought my family to the church, and um, and there for the first few years, my parents didn't really get too involved in anything, but. Then, I, it's so funny, and he's probably not going to like that I'm telling this story, but my dad tried men's group one time, uh, and he came back, and he's like, man, they just tear everything to pieces. Why are they going so deep? So he comes into the room, and I, me and I think Allie was actually over at the time, and we, were, we, and we just start talking about it, and um, it was so funny. And, and he, we're talking for probably a two-hour-long conversation. I'm debating him on on the necessity to really get into scripture and like what he was even like what y'all did. And, uh, eventually I'm like, okay, you know how, what, what does it mean that the veil tore whenever Jesus was crucified? Mm. What does that mean? Wow. And he told me what it meant. Right. Really? And I'm like, Good for him. and I was like, why do you know that? And he was like, uh, and I'm like, because someone else did the work to dig in there and figure out what it meant, but you didn't do anything. You took, you took that, not that you take it for granted, but you took that knowledge because somebody else did it. <clears throat> so that's why they're digging into this and they're trying to figure out why it applies to your life. So anyway, since then, and I'm not saying that I necessarily was a turning point, but I remember having that conversation with him and I think that helped him kind of understand like what y'all do. And since then, like the, I have seen such a huge difference in who he, it's just been awesome to watch him and my mom and just our entire family transform because of it like we were walking out last night and he was like man living this way is a heck of a lot easier than it was before Amen. and he doesn't mean that you know mm-hmm. easier as in like you know well i'm just more comfy now yeah. because i have this thingy but life is easier whenever you live in accordance with the way that god created life oh to be gosh. lived Absolutely. and so just seeing the transformative effect in my own life in his life i know your life was greatly mm-hmm. transformed by it um and i know you have a huge heart for that and you also just recently had the privilege of teaching, uh, both of us did, but you of the honor of teaching on a Sunday morning while Mr. Wilson was out on his sabbatical. Um, maybe just talk a little bit about that and why you chose, or maybe talk about what, what you chose and why you chose it. Okay. Um, well, first of all, I want to say uh, that I think the conversation you had with your dad really did have a big impact on him. And, and him coming back, you know, because he has been. I, I kind of remember uh, him not talking to me about that so specifically, but telling me that he talked to you about what was going on Monday night. And, and I think it had a big impact on him, man. And I am so crazy grateful that your dad um, comes, like, almost every Monday. When he can't come Monday, he goes Thursday, and it's – awesome to have him there and we've developed a really good friendship that I care a lot about but he was one of those guys that I thought for sure he's going to come in and if he keeps coming he's just going to sit there and not say a word Mm -hmm. just be one of those guys but he's not no you know like he doesn't talk a lot but he does he's one of the ones that and it's not just because he's my father but like whenever he does talk I listen. Oh, yeah. And some of that's my father. But yeah. the dude is is that kind of guy. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, man. 
And I think that uh, I think he played a role in that because look, and the thing is, is that um, there are times, you know, that you don't want to go. I mean, I can remember, especially early on, not so much now for me, but early on when we were doing this, you know, I'd have a bad day or a tough week or whatever, and I just didn't want to go. I just wanted to get to the house and just chill out relax and try to forget about the day and I didn't want to go but guess what I had to go because mm-hmm. I was the guy with the key right and early on I was the only one with the key that's not the case now we have a team of guys that help out that help help me uh, co-facilitate this stuff and I'm so crazy grateful for all of them and they know who they are and I love them to death but but in the beginning man I had to show up because I, I was only on the key and so this was so crazy bro that i would enter the property feeling that way but as soon as i unlocked that door and walked through the door it was like this calmness and this peace just kind of came over me and as soon as i walked in i'm thinking oh my god i'm so glad i came because this is what i needed it's I didn't so funny need that to you go home too. and get in the recliner and open a beer and turn on my yep. favorite tv show I needed to walk through those doors and be in that room with those men. It's so funny, that feeling, too, because I think that that's a feeling that you get whenever you are, um, you do what God tells you to do, and and then he starts to empower you, because I felt the exact same way. I was anxious a little bit before I got on the stage to teach this past Sunday, Mm -hmm. but and I'm sure you can probably attest to this, but once you get up there, man, you just start going, and half the time you can't remember what you're saying because it's not even. Hopefully, ideally, it's not even you talking. Yeah, really. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Sorry, absolutely. didn't even interrupt you. No, no, that was perfect. You're absolutely right, man. That's what happens. And again, I think, you know, that's a part of it, man. Is like, look, if it's too easy, then we start to think that it's us, oh, not yeah. him. Yeah. Right. So there has to be a certain level of uncomfortableness or difficulty. You know, like in my case, you know, uh, I got the flu like 10 days before and was fighting the flu the whole time, you know, before I got on stage. And and I didn't realize it at the time when I'm homesick and trying to figure out whether or not I could still pull that off. I kind of think God was behind that because he needed to calm me down, right, and corral me. Uh, and then again, remind me that it's him and not me. So yeah, you really, you were in even a weakened state, so you even had to depend on him even more. Big time. And you knocked it out of the water, uh, by the man, way. Uh, well, thank you for saying that, but I'm glad it's over. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm ready to go again. Oh, my God. <laughs> you know, here's the thing is that, um, again, you know, God wants to push us and stretch us and get us out of our comfort zone. Um, and when we say yes, uh, it is such a blessing to be there. And I get what you're saying. You're ready to do it again. Um, I, I will always say yes. I, I, well, let me say this. I will. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Back it up. up. <laughs> Hang on. Hang on. You know um, that. You know when you opened up this discussion <laughs> yes. where you were like, remember, remember, you ever say uh, something where you look back and you just yes. like, oh, I brought that. You yes. just did it. I just did it, man. I just did it. But. You know, truth is, a long time ago, when I was real early on in this walk, uh, and, and this would be safe another time, but I, 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 I told him, I said, hey, God, you know, I'm done doing it my way because it hadn't worked out. 
And I said, uh, you lead me and I follow. You tell me to jump, I jump. And I'm going to do, uh, I'm committed to doing the best that I can in those scenarios, you know. So even though it's something crazy, like I've always said that, and then I think, okay, God, please don't make me move to Kenya. Or something, yeah, right. You know what I mean? But um, now I'm going to get a notice to move to Kenya now, I guess, right? But mm-hmm. but anyhow, no, I I, uh, I do my best to say yes and do that. No, I, I always will as long as I'm able because, man, at the end of the day, you, you're right. You said it. It's an honor, man. It doesn't matter if you're on a stage talking to two or 300 people or you're just sitting across the table looking at a young man or an old man and going, I get to talk about God for the next yep. hour or two. Yep. That's an honor, man. And whenever you get to whenever you get to bring out and God gets to speak to you through you through like your personality and the things that are are that he's laid on your heart specifically, right? Mm-hmm. And and I know that like the to transformative power of Christ. And, and you had this one line just to kind of give people an idea of what he taught about. He, his bottom line, I think, you can correct me, was make Christ your Lord, not just your Savior. Um, and what I took away from that is that so many of us kind of, um, we have, we start, we, we say, we put our faith in him and we say yes to him, but then we don't, we, <clears throat> we never actually pick up the cross and follow him. Yeah. A lot of us don't, or we'll do kind of halfway or, um, and we don't let that that transformative part doesn't allow us to come into our. We don't allow that to come in our life. My actor, you summing up. No, you're absolutely right, my friend. Uh, I think it it all comes down to that point of surrender and submission. Yeah, you know that mm. I talked about that Sunday, and and I hate to say it, but uh, I, in my personal experience with people, I think the majority of people in our country that say they're Christians have not surrendered. To, oh, to Christ, a thousand right? And, and you're not going to be transformed in the way that God wants you to until you surrender and give up control and say, okay, God, mold me into the person that you want me to be, and I will do my best to be obedient to you in every possible way. Until you do that, man, it just doesn't happen. And what's so sad about that to me is that all those people that aren't doing that are missing out on the greatest blessings that God has to offer in this world when we're alive. Well, and like we were talking about last night, they're not only missing out on God's blessings, but they're experiencing the consequences oh, yeah. of the sin that they can that they oh, continuously yeah, live in. Oh, yeah. Um, and look, nobody's going to be perfect, right? We're no. all, I don't care if you do surrender and, and submit to God and you are transformed, you're still going to sin. You know, and tragedy is still going to befall you. Tragedy is still going to happen. It just is, but man, I'm telling you, it's it's really hard to describe uh, the blessing that comes from that stuff, man. Because here's what it's all about. And Paul's been preaching about this all year, and I know he's going to continue to. And I'm so crazy grateful he's doing that. But the blessing is that God is now taking a broken individual like me, a broken vessel that has not only made so many bad choices in my life, but has just had a ton of tragedy in my life and my family. And he's using me to help other people. Mm. And that blessing is beyond words that I have to describe because now God's taking 
my pain and turn it into a purpose and my mess he's turned it into a message and he's given my life purpose that is greater than myself and i think all human beings whether they want to admit it or not they have that in them right we're born selfish individuals as little babies we're just born selfish selfish right but there is that need and desire for our lives to be greater than all of that and a justification for our suffering yeah is a great way yes 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 and you know, I, I, I try to be real careful in how I explain some of this stuff. I don't know that I would really use the word justification. Maybe. I, I guess that would be appropriate. But, but it's, it's only half the story, though, because I yeah. think purpose is also yeah. perhaps better. Well, I think that my what I believe is that, you know, horrible things happen to us in our lives because we live in a broken world. And, and you could just fill in the blank. Whatever the tragedy is, whatever the problem is, we just live in a broken world and those things happen, right? And yes, God allows it to happen because of free will. But if we trust God with everything and we surrender to him, not just accept his gift of salvation, but surrender to him, then he takes that and he turns it into something good. You yeah. know? And the scriptures tell us that he'll do that. Well, and the beautiful, like, and what I meant by justification of suffering is, a justification to, perse- to persevere despite the suffering. So yes. Christ's justification for his suffering was his deep love and desire for us to be reconciled to him. And so he suffered the debt that we owed. Um, so that's what I meant by that. But yes, no, I agree with you. I agree. And you know what? Let me, let me share this real quick before, uh, before we get any deeper or run out of time. Yeah, we're, I, almost, I, we're almost out of time. Are we? Okay. Yeah, I got, I, got, I got lunch with Tiffany and Paul today. We're going to have to just do this again because I want to hear more about the ministry stuff. We're going to have to dig more into this. I knew that you and I were going to have the problem of we're going to go too long. Yeah. Too long makes it sound bad, but you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I was a little nervous the first five minutes probably. I told you you'd get into uh, it, fine. Yeah, no doubt. (laughs) What time is it, by the way? We're almost gone an hour. Wow. So how much time do we have left? Or do Um, we have any time left? I I have lunch at 12.45, so I got about... Ten minutes left. Okay. Well, let me just we let me just share this, and then we can do a part two or something later if you want. Absolutely. Right. So, um, to me, this this experience uh, was so awesome and amazing. And again, these are the kind of blessings that God gives us because in the process of us doing what we say and making Him our Lord, not just our Savior, and we need to talk more about that some other time, yep. right? That'll be next time. Uh, but, but. He opens our eyes to truth and wisdom that we didn't have before, right? And when that happens to me, man, oh, I'm over the top grateful to God when he connects the dots for me, right? And this just like, dude, after 12 years of of doing this men's ministries thing, the format that we talked about earlier, I didn't know this, man. I didn't know this. But about a year ago, I think it was last year, uh, one Sunday morning, I'm at church, Paul's up there teaching, and he is teaching from the book of Acts, right? And he touches on this one scripture, Acts chapter 2, verse 42. And I open it up on my phone, the Bible app on my phone, and I'm looking at it, and I'm like, oh, my God. And, I mean, I was just sitting in my chair in that sanctuary holding back the tears Mm. because all of a sudden I realized that's exactly 
what God led me to 12 years ago. It's the exact format of what we do and who we are and why we do that is that one scripture right there, dude. And it just completely blew my mind. And I don't know why God waited 12 years to reveal that to me, but he did on that day. And it was about the time he was trying to get me to go do it in the prison, right? But I bring all that up to you for this reason because... Uh, and I, is it okay if I just read it? It's yeah, I was going to ask you to. Anyways. Yeah, yeah. So Acts 2.42 says this. They, talking about the early church, right? This is after Pentecost and all of that. It says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayer. Mm. Those four things, right? So here's the deal is that, you know, back then, and I think we maybe talked about this last night. Back then, they didn't have this Bible to study. Man. Yeah, yeah. The only time that they were able to pass along the apostles' teachings were like this, face-to-face. Yeah, when they came together. Sitting around a meal, sitting around the campfire, but they were doing life together. They were doing church together, right? And that's when the transformation starts, too. If you surrender and go all in, and believe me, these early Christians, they surrendered and went all in. They had to. They had to. They were dying. They, they didn't have any choice because once they, once they accepted Christ as their Savior, their whole life changed, right? Yep. And that's another discussion. But, but anyhow, the point is, is that that scripture right there is so crazy important, you know, uh, because that's what it is. And when we have these conversations, we grow. Hopefully we share something uh, that God has put on our heart that is meaningful to the other person. And, uh, and I think in the conversation, we get closer to Christ, man. We get, we, we get closer to understanding who he is and who he wants us to be. Oh, yeah. And that's the bottom line. Man. Oh, yeah. I completely awesome. agree. Awesome, well, awesome. This has been awesome. Yeah. There will most certainly be a part two. Cool. Luckily, you live like 200 yards from me. Yeah. So, <laughs> right, right. so you can just pop on by anytime. Yeah, absolutely, bro. Well, this has been great. Thanks for yeah, coming on. Thank you, man. And we'll I do it again. It. Thank you. And uh, we'll see everybody. Guys, see what? Haven't done it in a while. See everybody next time. We hope you enjoyed this presentation of Cibolo Creek Community Church. If you did, please consider supporting the ministry of our church. Your donations make a difference. To check out more resources or to share a gift, please visit us at CibeloCreek.com. Thanks for listening.